we'd like to thank this week. Our guest on the show is a six-time French national champion, a two-time Olympian, the always graceful, always charming May Matei. Hi. I hope I got that one right. Great to have you on, May. Sorry there, uh, Kevin. Um, yeah, one of my uh, one of my favorite skaters to watch. Um, so unique, uh, has so much fun on the ice, and that that passion that she carries out there is is certainly infectious. So we're really excited to have May on today. We're gonna uh, you know discuss um, discuss with May some more important, some more serious issues, but we're also gonna we're gonna have some fun and and talk to May about um, her experiences growing up in the sport. So let's get started. May, um, talk to us a little bit about uh, what it was like growing up in France. And, um, you know, I'm from Canada. Kevin's from the U.S. We both have a pretty good handle on the, the figure skating scenes in those countries. Um, I've competed in France, but beyond that, I don't really know much about the, the figure skating culture in, in France. So <laughs> if you could start off with that, May, talk to us a little bit about what it's like being the six-time uh, French champion. Uh, well, first off, thank you so much for having me. It's a real hot honor, and I'm uh, very happy to be with you guys. And as far as my experience, um, I started skating in a little city a little bit outside of Paris. Um, it's my whole hometown. And um, for me, it was a very diverse environment. And I've always known that basically all my life because growing up, if you look up the French team, we always had diversity in men, pairs, uh, ladies. So for me, representation and diversity was never an issue or something I would I was concerned about because that's where like an environment I grew up within. Um, so I skated in France and trained in France for 10 years, or no, a little bit more. Uh, 12 to 14 years and then now I'm training in the US and um my like what sorry what was the question because I think I'm going yeah, no, I was just... far off Go ahead, Kev. How, how did you find ice skating as a sport growing up you, you know we mentioned that your, your parents are from the Ivy mm-hmm. Coast Ivory Coast yeah. in Congo um mm-hmm. Was ice skating just, hey, I saw a rink, or did you have friends that skated? I mean, did your parents have experience skating before as well? Not at all. Uh, that's not a sport. <laughs> they Well, they knew it because, obviously, in France, we had Soria Bonali back in the days, so they used to watch her. Now, they didn't think right. their a daughter would be a figure skater. Um, uh, at some point, um, we were going to the rink with my school when I was in kindergarten because... They just wanted us to move. So after school, we were going either to the pool or to the rink or to do some gymnastics just so we move and discover new sports. And my mom, she was like, that girl has way too much energy. So let's put her um, (laughs) doing some sport or whatever. So she asked me, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to figure skate. She looked at me and she wasn't really sure. She's like, are you sure? Because it's cold, you know. (laughs) Like, it's ice. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure what I said. Figure skating. <laughs> so I always I always say, May, we, we always, uh, figure skaters, we always joke, we picked the wrong sport. We should have played beach volleyball or golf or something, yes. right? something in the sun. 
Exactly, it's freezing there. I don't know why. Like it's a fridge, but whatever. We picked that. I don't know why. And my mom, she, she thought I would be there for like two months or something, and then I would get tired. But twenty uh, one years later, I'm still here. So I guess, <laughs> I guess I liked it. Jokes on them. <laughs> Jokes on them. Still, <laughs> still doing you. I love it, May. And so I'll backtrack you a little bit. How did um, did your parents? um emigrate to to france or were were they already in france um from a from a future or sorry from a past generation uh no so they came to france uh to do their studies like their um college and college college yeah university or college yeah right their master's degree and bachelor's degree in france so that's why they come in europe and then they stay here basically so i'm the first generation that was born in France. And, here, and like you said, here you are decades later, um, still yeah. at it. What was it What was it when you were that, you know, that young kid made that, that made you really fall in love with figure skating? Honestly, it was just all fun for me. Um, it was just going to the rink. It was my way to escape and just feel free, have fun, try new things, challenge myself. And um, I had a group of friends uh, which I grew up with, and we were having a positive relationship where one, if one was doing a jump, then we were all motivated to do the jump, and then we wanted to be the next one to do the the other hard jump. So it was just keeping like pushing us and having that good um, relationship going. So we it, it, we took it as a game, and I took it as a game for a very long time until it became very serious and then i was like okay i should maybe be a little bit more serious but it was always a challenge for me more so than i have to be the best or this that that I was just like let's see what i can do and which hard jump or element i could i can put in my program and let's see what i can do next and let's see if i can go to europeans and then worlds and then why not the olympics and that's how i made it to where i am today i think did you set your sights on the olympics from maybe you were a small kid uh you know performing or you know you said you kind of built your way on up to that i'm always curious to see the Mm -hmm. mindset of the athletes like how do you push yourself to get to that point well i think every kid like when you start a sport you're like yeah my dream is to go to the olympics but you say it but you don't really especially like you say it but then when you get really serious uh that's when you're like oh maybe there is a chance that i can actually get there and so for me it was step by step first getting to nationals and then getting uh, on the podium at nationals then uh getting to europeans and being the the first french lady that was back in the top 10 after many years Mm -hmm. and bringing two spots for friends after many years that was a huge thing so then the next step for me was to go to wales and qualifying for the free skate i did that then after it was to be into the top 10 then i did that again and uh so after reaching my personal goals to go to europeans and worlds then i was like well next step is like qualify the country for the olympics and after that it's like going to the Olympics. So I, it's just gradual. You just go from one goal to another and then another and then, yeah. Right, baby step days, eh? uh, you know, bite-sized pieces, things you can handle. And yeah, I mean, you've had obviously a very illustrious career. Um, 
what really spurred your decision um, to come to North America? And maybe you can talk a little bit about that um, process. Yeah, the well, the main difference I see between France, well, Europe and the US is that in the US, it's more like um, private lessons, whereas in France, it's group lessons. So that that's very different to me. Uh, but I think the more you grow, the more you need details and attention on things that you don't really care about when you're younger or you don't think about because when we're younger, I feel like we just do what the coaches tell us to do. And when we have more experience, we're more mature and we know more what we want, then we are more in control of what we do and we need some specific things and then we, we know ourselves better as well. Um, and I guess the switch of mindset came there and that's when I started to take it more seriously and be like, okay, if I want to reach the, the top, top, because um, I mean, the I'm amongst the best, but I want to try to reach the top and that's the right. hardest place to be. And if you want to get there, you have to be more in details work and stuff like that. And I felt I could reach maybe one day that goal by being in the US because it's a different mentality, it's a different way of working, and it's a different as atmosphere as well. So I took the shot and here I am. Yeah, very interesting. And you'll have to you'll have to excuse me, May, because I never do my homework as, as well as uh, Mr. Kevin does. Um, so maybe I'll let him lead this question. Um, but maybe talk about where you trained in the US. I know Kevin uh, ran out to you, uh, sorry, ran into you out in LA, um, training with yes. Raphael. Um, doing some business for Jackson Ultima, and uh, so maybe you can talk a little bit about where you trained in the U.S. Yeah, and, and some of the Chicago, experiences right? you had at those Am clubs. I, if I'm correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I started in Chicago with Shanetta Fall um, in Buffalo Grove, to be more precise. Mm -hmm. I think I stayed there for three years, like on and off. I was in between Chicago and France. I was not fully there, mm -hmm. but I was going back and forth. And I spent my summer there. Then I spent one summer with Raf. I think that was the pre-Olympic year. Yep. And that's when um, we ran into each other, uh, Kevin. Yep. Um, and sometimes from time to time, I was going back and forth with Raf um, because I wanted to train with um, Adam, Ashley, Nathan, Roman. That was a good like um, center. They have like the highest some of the highest skaters and yeah. it was nice to have some motivation and be like okay mariah is doing that and she's tired but she can do it so you can do it too and it was a good motivation so from talk, time to time i was going there talk about that a little bit and more just because um i i always look at you know you uh you say it in france is more like these schools and even in europe i think there's more this school and camp yeah. atmosphere where We've started developing mm -hmm. that a little bit more, I think, in the States, and, and Raf was a big proponent yeah. of it. And yes. I mean, mm -hmm. you're training amongst, you have Nathan's there, Adam, Mariah, yeah. um, mm -hmm. Romaine's there, and then, yeah, I think Michael was maybe in and out of there as well. Yes. So, so much top talent. I mean, we're, mm -hmm. how does that change your mindset when you're now training with them um, to be able to push yourself harder or, or even off the ice? The... The atmosphere it's, that yeah, I have as a family. Yeah. Yeah. It's like figure skating is a big family. And while being there, we learn so much from each other as well. Because I remember 
specifically watching Adam and Nathan training, and I thought about myself, I'm not training because if that's like looking at them, I was like, that's what we call training. Mm-hmm. They are, <laughs> the, it, it's amazing. Like to, to witness that is just amazing. And so it makes me realize that I need to do some introspection and maybe um, set up new norms because my norms were not high enough mm. to reach the goals I set for myself. So in that way, it was positive to be with them. And then I also learned to work on my own because in France, um, we had the group classes. So the coach was always with us telling mm. us do this, that, 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 that. In the U.S., it's private lessons. So the coach is basically 24-7 with you mm. or like, no, well, for me, because I was I come from Europe. So my coach, she was always with me. So I never had or not that many time by myself. But with Raf, we're going to have some group classes and then he's going to be like, go do your work. You do your parts of the program, you do your cardio work, and he's going to overlook everything. And then sometimes he's going to take people, but most of the time you have to work on your own. Mm-hmm. That's something I had to learn because uh, that was new to me. Right. So that's the biggest lesson I've learned from uh, going there, yeah. Yeah, you you uh, you kind of are forced into uh, being a kind of a much more responsible athlete, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and I can I, just from personal experience, I can speak to the and this is such a you know a thing with with figure skaters is you know being at that center where you have people that are better than you, and and that was something yeah. that I experienced moving to Michigan, um, and then to Montreal. You know, you moving to Michigan, I'm coming from from Barrie, and. All of a sudden, I'm training with you know Weaver and Poje and and Peshalat mm-hmm. Borza, your your French uh, comrades yes. there, and and, and mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think um, you know I don't think it's a very big secret that um, figure skaters like to be in those power centers, and and I, I mm-hmm. think there's a, a huge quality in in uh, in experiencing uh, training with people that uh, are better than you, and and exactly like you reference, you, you see the the hard work, and you say ah that's that's what hard work looks like right and so it's exactly yeah yeah very interesting totally. i i've uh listened to you did an interview with the olympic channel i think maybe post olympics but um you know looking at kind of your resume of choreographers that you've worked with uh, benoit richaud mm-hmm. and adam rapon i mean a lot of these yeah. i won't say they're they're not new, obviously, to the sport, but I think in the last four or five years, you've seen their body of work has just, I mean, it's amazing what they've produced. Can, can you speak to maybe working yes. with um, and both of them? I think Benoit and Adam obviously are so hot yeah. on the scene right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benoit, I used to be teammates with him because we were on the French team together. So I've known him for a very long time and seeing his vision as a choreographer was like mind blowing and very tiring because it's a complete different work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's moving 360. I've never done that before. So mm-hmm. when he showed me my step sequence, I was like, how am I supposed to do that? I'm I'm human, you're not. Like, what is that? <laughs> but then <laughs> with work and um, dedication, eventually, it came to life and he brought that to me and I'm very thankful for the experience because that's not something I've ever experienced before. And even he's, um, he's very meticulous in his work. He knows what he wants um, and he can get frustrated if you don't do it the way he wants it to be done. So it's nice to have 
um his passion and his vision mm-hmm. um as like it, it helps a lot it, sh- it shapes you for sure, sure. yeah and um as for adam he's his creative self so it's just amazing to be around him he's positive and he's like yeah i love that on you that looks great and he brings his touch but he lets me express myself like a hundred percent he's like it has to feel comfortable it has to be you we don't want to see adam replying your program we want to see maver and Ismite on the ice right so yeah. um he's very he's open like, and truthful in that yes. like he everything yeah. that you see and I, I i say this a lot to people because they ask me like oh is this really who he is i'm like no everything that you see is him that is there's no yeah. fake persona or anything and he wants that out of oh, no. everyone you know yeah oh yeah i'm like that the adam is that's adam like he's just like that he cannot hide his expressions so um you know when it looks good and when it doesn't <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's an he's infectious. That's for sure. Let's yes. uh, may let's transition a little bit. Let's talk about um, let's talk about the Olympics. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit uh, off the top. You alluded to the fact that um, you know, and any young athlete um, that mm-hmm. has any sort of ambition, they they grow up in sport, wanting to reach the pinnacle of their sport. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me, whether that's you know the being a world champion or being uh, an Olympian. Um, so you were in, you were in, uh, correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sochi and, and Pyeongchang? Yes, that's correct. And so maybe talk a little bit about uh, your experiences at those games and maybe some of the, the differences between uh, those two Olympics. So the first one, I was uh, young and so excited to go and fresh. Um, I was, I think I was 19. Um, and it was just the first one so i just wanted to do my best i wanted to be in the top 10 so i was like okay yeah can do this da, da, da. um let's experience that you don't have any expectations because that's something you've never done so you're like we'll see how it goes um so this one went well i did a top 10 i was super happy first time uh that a french lady was back since at least two or three olympics mm-hmm. something like that so that was really oh. nice that the French lady was there. And then I did a top 10, so that was even better. Now for the 2018, um, since 2014, I've been battling with uh, knee injuries. So I had to tear in my right patella tender tendon after Sochi up until um, Pyeongchang. So I, I was skating, but I was in pain. Um, so this one was a personal fight because I knew I wasn't 100% here physically, that the ladies, they have caught up to me and the level has gone crazy. But I was like, I need to fight and prove to myself that I can still go to the Olympics and make it out there. Um, So I wasn't the one that brought the spot for France uh, the previous year, but I was the one that got to the Olympics because I had to fight until the very end which was uh, Europeans, like maybe two weeks before the the flight to Pyeongchang mm-hmm. and prove that I deserve to go. And I wasn't expecting to do the same results going there, but I was just very grateful and happy to be there already. My only goal was to um, be uh, to do the free skate because my last experience on the competitive scene was Boston, and I did not qualify for the long program. I was 27, 25th. And this was the first time that I had a major 
to me, it was a failure. It was my a major failure. So for the 2018 Olympics, I was like, I just want to be in that final. I just want to do my free skate. And I don't care about the... If, if I'm last, I don't care. I'll be in the 24th. Like, I don't care. But I want to be in the right. final. So that was my goal. And I was just so grateful to be there and to be able to perform on the world scene again. So that was my feeling at the 2018 Olympics. Well, that sounds like an absolute, um, you know, an absolute battle. And, you, you know, you can hear the determination in your voice. So, I mean, that's a great story to hear. Maybe, I mean, May, it's, it's something we deal with as athletes, right? Injuries. Um, yeah. I know, I know I dealt with it. I've, we've, we've spoken to other people on the podcast, um, like Alaj, who, who went in depth about um, kind of the, you know, the mental and emotional side of dealing <laughs> with injuries. Um, you were certainly um, no exception to this. Um, so maybe you yeah. could shed a little light on, on some of the, you know, personal battles that you fought and, mm-hmm. and how you persevered. Um, it was a very tough battle, but I learned a lot about myself as well. Um, I am a person, I vote like many athletes, I push myself to the limit. So when I feel the pain, it's already too late. Um, now my right leg was hurting me like crazy. And at some point I could not even walk anymore. Um, and that's a bad thing. Like I would not recommend any person to keep pushing when you're injured, just take the time off. We think it's a, um, drawback, but actually it's not because you can work on so many other things. You can get better on so many other levels while you're off and you can come back stronger. So do not be afraid to take that time off would be my advice to people because uh, when you skate while being injured, then mentally, you know you're not uh, at 100% of your capacities. So you start, you start doubting yourself. Then right. for me, I was starting to have a weird technique because it was hurting. It was my right knee, so my landing leg and my takeoff legs on so many jumps or my toe leg. So I was right. doing weird stuff and some of my coaches were like, what is that? That's not even, that doesn't exist. How can you do that? But that's mm. subconsciously my body was doing stuff to protect my knee in some ways. And then I started to develop new mechanisms that were bad ones. So then after you have to correct all that and then you start doubting yourself because in competition, you're not sure how your knee's going to handle it. And then you think low of yourself because you don't have the results that you you were hoping to have and it's a whole process and then the federation starts to doubt your capacities and they might not trust you enough to send you off to competitions or they won't bet on you to be like the top skater so then again it's a mental tool you're like oh my gosh i'm am i not that good or what's going on so it's a lot to process and go through so it was just a tough battle, but at the same time, it made me it made me stronger and um, aware of my abilities and capacities and what I can do and what I should not do anymore. So I've learned from that. And I, I wasn't I wasn't uh, necessarily planning on going this way, May, but I think it's it's interesting what you pointed out about you know the opportunities that an athlete can have even during an injury. Um, to work on other weaknesses. Um, I know that um, a lot of skaters during this COVID era, um, during the Mm -hmm. lockdown, have have treated it very similarly. 
Um, you know, yeah. we're, we weren't able to be on the ice for so long. So, okay, what are we going to do to get stronger on the floor? What are we going to improve in the way of our weaknesses so that when we get back on the ice, we are ready to hit the ground running? Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about um, how you've dealt with the lockdown and, and what you did to stay motivated and, and maybe some of the weaknesses you worked on um, over the last few months. Well, I was happy to for the lockdown. Well, not happy but not happy to have the lockdown because um, I knew everybody was at the same place. Nobody was able to train. So I was not in a hurry to get back to uh, work and to not take care of my knee because after the right knee, obviously the left knee decided to have the same thing. Right. So I was dealing with that. And after I was supposed to go to Worlds this year and then after that I was supposed to take some time off. Well, COVID happened, so time off, we didn't have the choice. So I was like, I'm going to take care of that knee and then I'm going to work on everything that I'm weak at. So for me, it was um, spins that it could get better. It was um, off-ice jumps because I do not know how to jump off-ice. That was something unknown to me. <laughs> so I was like, let's work on that. I wanted to get more flexible. I was like, I was like, well, we have time to get more flexible, so let's do that. I wanted to get stronger, but like not stronger, more muscles uh, like that you see, but like core muscles. I wanted them to be stronger and um, efficient working. Like when I'm on the ice, I know I can use them. They'll, yeah, they, I'll do something with that. So I work on that. Um, a lot of people were doing some workout routines or exercises in group and stuff like that. Um, so I just kept myself busy. I went to PT pretty much every day. I was biking because we could go out here. So um, I was biking everywhere to stay in shape since we couldn't go to the gym or something. I was like, I still need to move and I have the chance to be able to go out so I can go bike. Um, so I biked a lot. I did some PT. I was very like meticulous about it. I did some core workouts with my personal trainer because she was able to come um, while being like all respectful of the rules and stuff, safety rules. Um, but that's basically what I did. And then when I got back on the ice, it felt like I never left and I was off for over three months. So hey, you sound like you stayed super, yeah. you stayed super motivated through the whole thing. I'm, like, I'm just yeah. going to get better. I knew my goal, what I wanted to achieve. I had a very precise idea of the, I had a very clear vision of where I want to go. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and that and that. And um, the people around me were very positive and supportive. So that helped too. So, yeah. And what, and what is that goal, May? Where, where is, where's May going? What's, what's keeping you ticking? Um, what are the goals and, and how does, how does the body feel now that you're back on the ice? Uh, the body feels good um, and refreshed, actually. That's crazy. I'm like, oh, okay, that's my body. Okay, hey, nice. Hey. <laughs> it's probably um, my... the first time in how many years a lot of the skaters have been able to actually relax. Exactly. And that's brand new to us because we're all scared to take some time off because it takes so much time to build the stamina, to be in shape, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, but if I take the time off, I'm going to lose everything, everything. And it's not true. If you are smart about your time off, like you can be off and still doing some off ice work. Like you can take one week off, off of everything. And, it's still and there. then you have to, yeah, you have to still maintain what you're doing 
watch what you're eating. You can have some fun. Like I had some wine and party. Like I was living my best life, but I was still very aware of what I was doing and when. Because I didn't want to be like overweight and then it's going to be another battle that I don't want to go through. So I was like, okay, I need to be to have some fun, but to be serious. And right. so my goals for the season, if that season happens, would be to bring out two different programs that are truly me. Because most of them would be created by me and I would be helped with Adam and um, my coaches and some awesome choreographers. Uh, but the skeleton of the programs, of both programs, are made by me which is something brand new for me, completely different than what I used to do before. Um, so the, the whole process was, was amazingly, it was amazing to create, to be able to create your own thing and then to, to see it coming to life. So I'm excited for uh, the next competition to come to be able yeah. to show those, those programs. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know we're excited too, mate. Just, just hearing that. And I, I want to get back to those to the programs in in just a second, but you you mentioned uh, enjoying some wine during COVID. You're you're French, so maybe you could tell the listeners, uh, you know, what it, what is the best wine, man, and why? Ooh, I'm a bad French person, oh. though, because oh. I do not know. Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you all, but uh, I I do not know. Although, if you go to France, my favorite white wine is. The Tariquet Première Grive, it's a sweet wine and it's amazing. We might have to get that in the in the link. I think that that wine that may just reference. <laughs> yeah, they'll have yes. to sponsor sponsor us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so May, I want to go. I want to jump back to your programs that you've been developing, and and it's interesting because we were talking to Elaj, um a few weeks ago, and and he was talking a little bit about. Um, just the kind of the transformation he had through his career um, mm-hmm. from from doing programs that maybe, um, you know, quote unquote, fit the mold of the sport. And then later on in his career, he started to really um, be more confident and comfortable in um, music selections and styles that that were really, you know, what he thought was his strength and things things he enjoyed skating to. And and so what what made what was that transformation like for you and and um, why did you make it? Um, for me, it was just I was just tired being told what I needed to do, and I wanted to do it on my own term and to have fun because at some point I wasn't having fun because it wasn't really me. Um, so I was like. Well, everybody's doing the same thing, and um, me doing going the classical way is not especially going to work. So let's do something that's going to work for me, with me, and for me, and uh, see how it goes and have fun. Right now, I really just want to have fun. So I'm just picking songs and music that I feel that I have a story I can tell and be like, yeah, that's okay. That's going to be remembered. I hope somehow. And it does in some way. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Was 2018 yeah. with the Olympics, was that Beyonce or was that, I'm trying to remember. Yes. Yeah. So that, so the Olympics, yeah. Right? Beyonce yeah. for the shorts. Yep. 
I think it was that year. I mean, you had Adam with you know the Idacora Fedelegrand remix. Um, yes. It, was yes. it Yvette? It was maybe it was Yvette with ACDC. Um, and then, you know, in the U S you know, Jimmy Ma goes viral for turn down for what with DJ snake. I mean, having yes. that kind of explosion almost in one year of these, these masterpieces of work. I mean, really when you put the lyrics in and the new age kind of style of music, did, did that just kind of open up that like joy again and being able to mm-hmm. enjoy more of what you were doing? Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's just so freeing to be able to express yourself on songs that speaks to your soul and your heart that you can really feel a connection with. And that's and that's when you get the truest performance because you are just yeah. in the flow on the ice. Mm-hmm. And even for the audience, like only classical music, it can be a little bit... Uh, <laughs> but then if they hear, hear something different and it's like oh okay oh that's different all right oh i i or i wouldn't see a skater ski to that but okay that's cool that's different like at least they are entertained still with some different stuff not only like i don't say classical music are not good but just to have something different yeah, it's okay it's to nice. something unique yes unique there yeah you go. and and speaking yeah. of speaking of unique may we got to talk about this um you were one of, uh, you know, maybe not the first lady, but you were one of the first ladies that rocked pants on the ice. God forbid, right? And I'll always remember. And I mean, I mean, God, don't get me wrong. You look like a million bucks. But did you. you ever feel? Did you ever? <laughs> did you ever feel like you were being told that you couldn't be the the person that that you are um, in a sport uh, like figure skating? Not at all. Um... I mean, I know some women had worn pants before, so I didn't think it was a big deal for me until I saw all the articles after Sochi and then all the articles after Pyeongchang. I was like, oh, people do really like those pants. I was like, okay, that's cool. But um, honestly, I, I'm just going. I'm going with the flow, so I don't even think about all that. I was just like, okay, I like the pants. I like the idea. Let's do it. And that's about it. So, so to me, it's nothing crazy yeah yeah just go with the flow your attitude is incredible may and what perhaps you can speak maybe to how have you become such a strong person you know like so many of us and and i don't rule myself out of this we we you know in 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 such a sport that's under the microscope in, in terms of us being judged um you know it's a it's a Sorry, I'm I'm losing my train here, Kevin. You're gonna have to edit that one out. What were we talking about? No, it's a it's a it's a tough sport. I think from a judgment standpoint and the self confidence. Like I talked with Amber Glenn at length um, about just being confident in who you mm-hmm. are and doing everything to your best mm-hmm. capability. Even going back to what Elijah was saying too, it's like there's a lot of skaters that will have quads. There's a lot of skaters that will never have a quad. We'll never even have a triple. Mm-hmm. But they can have fun and be expressive on the ice and be themselves. You know, I think the, the thing to Mitch's standpoint is there's there's too many times that you're being put in that spotlight that, okay, this is what a figure skater has to be. So this is who I have to be. Yeah. 
right? And was there a specific time that you hit that crossroad and you just decided like, no, I'm, I'm, this is it. I'm going to be who I want to yeah. be. Um, I think a lot of things contributed to that. Um, first, when I started to get injured, I saw the difference between the way I was kind of treated before. And when I was injured, I saw people like not turning their bike on me, but kind of, and not believing in me or believe that I could come back. Um, or people just letting me down because I wasn't not the number one at some point. So they're like, yeah, she's over, whatever. Um, and then sometimes being judged runs like not being judged for what we've done all the time is a little bit frustrating and trying to skate for people also can be very uh consuming because then um you when you don't do well you're like oh my god but what are they gonna think uh what am i supposed to do and for me i put double pressure because i was like i need to make my parents proud i need to make the federation proud i need them to be happy and proud of me and blah blah, blah. and then i'm like why am i skating i'm yeah. skating to have fun right now i'm not having fun i'm just stressed tired crying all the time being in mental distress we're not doing that to be in that state in that case i'd rather stop and be healthy so i was like you know what start skating for yourself enjoy the things that you're doing enjoy skating you're here to have fun you're not here to be like crying every day well you will cry of course sometimes because it hurts to do the program we all know that but um that's a good way <laughs> of crying but you don't want to cry because you're uh, stressed because you're scared because you're afraid no you don't want that so after being come like getting knowing that i was like okay i know what i want to do i want to have fun i want to smile when i'm in comp at competition i want to dance i want to bring smiles on people's faces i want people to remember what i did so how can i do that by picking my own music by being more in control of my trainings and what i do by knowing where i want to go what are my goals etc so i started to be more invested in my career in where i was going and stuff like that and slowly but surely it got together and um here i am <laughs> <laughs> Here you are. You're doing it. Voila. Exactly. That's, ama that's amazing, May. So let's uh, perhaps transition a little bit. And we're, we're talking about, you know, what, what you had to do to become the confident person and athlete that you are today. Um, let's transition a little bit to what you're doing for other people. Um, mm -hmm. You'll have to excuse me. I'm, I'm really not great with acronyms, um, but the FSDIA the Figure yes. Skating Diversity and Inclusion Alliance is correct. You got it. Yes. I nailed it. Perfect. So the Figure <laughs> Skating Diversity and Inclusion Alliance. Now you started this alliance. Um, Kevin and I know a little bit about it and we think it's fantastic, but we'd love you to tell our listeners today um, a little bit about um, this initiative and, and mm -hmm. what's, what's the motive behind it and what are you looking to change? So it was created by a, it was created organically by skaters that came together so amongst those skaters we have Elad Valde, we have Asher Hill, we have Vanessa James, uh, Acacia Hill, Michelle Hong, 
um, a lot of great people um, that we came together after what happened, um, sadly, with George Floyd. And we just um, decided to do one video to do a pledge. And then one thing led to another. And we we're like, um, Elaj and Michelle, and um, they had that big vision of trying to change figure skating. And then we all got together and we we're like, yeah, let's do that thing. So we just, it just started like that like we didn't plan anything but it just started and um our mission is basically to foster a more diverse and inclusive figure skating environment uh worldwide through policy change program development and funding for the next next generation of athletes so we want it to be more diverse we want it to be more inclusive because um, that's what figure skating is. And in the world, we have people from different um, countries, shape um, and um, ethnicities and colors. And we want it to be represented in figure skating because it's predominantly a white sport. So we want um, kids from uh, the BIPOC community to feel welcome in that sport as well and to have more representation and to be aware that they too can do it and um, it's an inclusive sport and it's diverse. So basically that's what we're trying to do with um, FSDIA. It's brand new, it's grassroots, so we are still on the process of uh, figuring out how we're going to do our missions and how we're going to start, but um, that's basically what we are all about. We we are still working on the skeleton of the program and the mentorship and seeing how it's going to work. But basically, we want to do uh, some advocacy work, some mentor mentorship work where um, um, skaters like Elad or Vanessa or even uh, allies like um, Adam or Ashley are going to come together and maybe mentor some of the kids and like I don't know, um, offer them a choreography session or uh, show them how to express themselves on the ice or share a lesson with them. We want to do some stuff like that. So it's in the process of being created. We don't have like something settled yet, but uh, we are working on stuff like that, like trying to um, um, motivate the kids and um, introduce them as well to uh, figure skating because it's not something that's especially renowned in BIPOC communities. Um, it's not affordable, like it's not a sport that's, it's a very expensive sport and sometimes it's not affordable for everyone. So that's something as well we would like to put into place, be able to raise some funds for those kids that are gonna be part of our um, program to be able to go skate and have equipment, for example, that is giving to given to them uh, to have some lessons that are being taken care of or to have um, allies, coaches uh, that are allies to the, the alliance and that are going to work with us. And maybe we can send the kids there and they'll have like a discounted price or stuff like that. So we're trying to think about all the little things that make the sport uh, less affordable for people. Um, so it will be easier for those communities to get into the sport and get to the highest level. I think you said it right that, you know, it's bringing, bringing the sport to the kids and giving them the avenue to participate in the sport. You know, it's yeah. not just, you can't just lower the prices and donate, you know, it, you have mm -hmm. to actually be active in, in being, 
getting out to them. So I think, you know, what you guys are doing is great is, is in giving kids that avenue and to reach out and to be able to talk to someone as a, um, how would you guys, what you were saying, uh, um, someone to uh, mentorship with, you know, to be able to work with someone one-on-one that, that has been through it. Um, yeah. so, so as from, from your standpoint, I like to ask, like growing up, did you ever look at yourself and say, do I really belong here? Am I in the sport that I should be participating with? Honestly, never. Um, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by amazing people in the figure skating world. So I never felt that way at all. I just felt like... That's really good. Yeah. Really good to hear. Mm-hmm. Incredible, yeah. I just felt like a figure skater among other figure skaters trying to do their best to be the best. That's it. <laughs> And I think that's what the sport fosters that Mm -hmm. um, people need to start seeing is that, you know, this is a very inclusive community that you can be a part of. Mm -hmm. And there are ways to to get into it and to not just look at it as an expensive sport. No, well, there there are costs that you can mitigate. There are ways to make it more affordable. There are communities that will help. But it's such a great family environment to be around and seeing what like the NHL and hockey has done with their diversity alliance Mm -hmm. and how vocal, you know, their players unions have been. I mean, that's just speaks to the ice community and the sports that like everyone really is a family when you touch the ice and it doesn't, it doesn't matter color, uh, race, demographic, like what your income level is. No, you're just, you're on the ice. Yeah. That matters. No, you said it all. Yeah. That's yeah. I agree with you. Well, May, that's, um, I think it's uh, just, you know, my two cents. It's, this is incredibly important. Um, in the same way, in some of our other discussions, we've talked about things like getting um, more young boys into the sport. I think, um, you know, this sport, the, the sport of figure skating is only going to benefit um, from inclusion, right? Like the more people involved, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the more bodies on the ice, um the more are rising to the top and we're just going to have a deeper field of of incredible athletes and we're going to and you know on the on the grassroots level we're going to enrich um you know our 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 skating clubs with with an inclusive sort of environment and and i think that's something that's incredibly important so i just want to you know uh, like i said my two cents is just to commend you guys on on what you're doing and um i know kevin and i will will definitely want to check in with you guys in in a couple of months um and see how things are going and um you know really really beautiful beautiful thing that you guys are doing thank you so much thank you thank you i'll I'll put one more question uh, maybe two more questions at you real quick Mm -hmm. um you know you you've said post um sochi olympics and even going into pyeongchang like just the evolution of the sport has come so far in a very short amount of time mm-hmm. um when you're talking about the the girls doing quads and is there something to be said that do you, do you feel um i and forgive me because i haven't seen you train in a while but um where you're at with your training and trying to get a quad or like how does that change your kind of perception of the sport and even your training methods it doesn't change much because that's like I said, when I was younger, I always liked new challenges, tried new things. 
So to me, it's just a new challenge. And um, of course, I'm a little bit older, so my body is um, not as responsive, but it doesn't mean that we cannot do it. So I just learn more about my body, learn about how I need to get it strong enough and yeah, strong enough to maybe one day do a quad or something or triple axel, that would be nice. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, nah, I'll be fine. Um, but I, mm -hmm. I'm learning um, ways to do it, so I will be in good condition, and my body won't hurt. That's my priority now: is to be healthy, most over everything. Well, and, and that's and, great. I think you. Yeah, go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, just <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Sorry, frog in my throat there. Yeah, I think may just you know knowing you for a long time, and and our listeners having listened to you today, um, you're. You're quite a determined young lady, and I think the the sky's the limit. And if you put your mind to something, um, mm -hmm. you know it's it's going to be there for you. Um, I, I definitely love your attitude. Um, I, I just want to get uh, for me. I have one last question for you, May. Um, we've got about what is it? Um, less than a year and a half until the next Olympics. Is that the goal? Uh, well, yeah, I'd love to go to the 2022 Olympics. Although we don't know if they're going to happen in 2022 of course yeah. but, uh, <laughs> 2023 let's, yeah. let's pretend let's pretend yeah well no matter when it happens uh yeah that will be the goal to go to the next olympics um and i think that's going to be a fun journey because yeah, like i said i'm more invested in the creative process of the programs so that's something i really love so i'm excited to show the program to get better to uh get to the end of the season get ready for it um Europeans and worlds when they're going to happen and then get ready for the Olympics. So it's very exciting. Like I'm that little girl that's so excited to go again and try and do the best. So yeah, it's fun. I love that, May. You're, you are uh, your attitude. Yeah, so positive. Yeah, yeah. Right, Kevin? I love it. You, you beat me there, to There's it. a sense of uh, positivity that, you know, there are changes in the sport. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to figure out and work harder and find a way to make it happen. Um, yeah. there's stuff that gets you down, you know, there's never, and I feel like even in, in the quick time that I knew you, that that was seem seemed to be your attitude and just staying very positive and happy all the time. Um, and being very cheerful and that I love what I'm doing and, yeah, I'm trying. Every moment of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I think a lot of people, uh, and even people, you know, we've had discussions on this podcast, Kevin. I think a, a lot of people can learn a lot of things from May. And and to be honest with you, I'd, I'd be one of those people. Um, you know, you're 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 confident. Um, you're comfortable in your own skin, and you're doing you. And I think that's uh, completely commendable. That's infectious, and and people feed off that. People feed off. Uh, off of realness. So I know that uh, you've got two big fans here on the podcast. I know a lot of people in the skating world are, are rooting for you, May. Um, we're excited to see your new content, your new programs that uh, you're excited to show us. Um, so you know what? I think the sky's the limit. And uh, like I said, you've got two fans over here that are rooting for you and uh, hope to see you uh, on the ice with the Olympic rings behind you in 2022. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Let me record it. Let me press record okay so yeah that was wow that was awesome um may is such a positive influence on the sport i think you know you just said it you can poke and prod but you're not gonna get anything 
negative from her? No, I think, and it comes from just, you know, her, her, like, like I alluded to in the episode, her comfort in her own skin. And, um, it's refreshing, honestly, like, um, so many, so many figure skaters and athletes deal with, uh, you know, demons really. And, and we've talked some about, you know, emotional strength and, and mental stability, uh, on the podcast. And, um, yeah, it was very interesting to just kind of pick May's brain and, and, get a little uh insight on on the positivity that's that's wrapped up inside there and i think it's it's infectious and it's something we can all learn from yeah i think you know when we were talking about how the turning point was from her you could tell i mean that was just the person that she she is you know super super positive about everything and i i don't have a quad i'm gonna learn one or i'm gonna figure out a way to compete with or without one but i'm still gonna do it like stuff doesn't get in my way and then i just fold up right so you can you know she's just one of those people that is gonna make it work yeah that's uh, it's great to hear great to hear from her and great to hear that what she's doing with fsdia yeah i was just gonna say i think it's gonna be really exciting to kind of follow along and 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 hear uh um, what the initiative um, does, and, and I know a lot of the people personally that are involved in, in the alliance, and um, you know a lot of you know truly fantastic people and, and people that are in it to make change for the positive. And like I said, I think I'm, uh, I know I'm excited to to see what this uh, what this brings. And I think in in the same way in our discussions um, earlier in a podcast with Elage, you know, getting boys on the ice, um, I think. Um, as a whole, we just need to figure out how we can get more, more bodies on the ice. And it doesn't matter if, if you're straight or gay or black or, um, it, it really doesn't matter. And I think, uh, May alluded to it as well. Um, the figure skating community is, is actually quite a, quite an accepting, inclusive community. And, and we all know each other quite well in, in, you know, in, in an athlete sense. And, um, I think they're, I think they're going to do big things with this. And I'm, I'm excited to see, um, the change that yeah I'm excited to be part of it really to to try and help instill some sense of um, a positivity but but also just the work that these athletes have put in that maybe the general public can can see it and understand it more now you know that figure skating has stigmas behind it but it doesn't have to be a predominantly white sport it doesn't have to have this cattiness of behind the scenes that i think people always think there is um it's such a family and it is a family when everybody's out on the ice and there's always going to be haters there's always going to be haters and stuff that you do uh, but it's easy enough just to accept them in as to push them away so um, seeing what these athletes have been able to do to pursue their dreams is empowering and i hope that leaves a message with the youth that listen to it that you know i can do stuff like this i can achieve to be great i don't have to win the olympic gold i don't have to get to the olympics i don't have to get to nationals but there's stuff that i can do to still be great and haters are always gonna hate right kevin haters are always gonna hate so on (laughs) that note i think we'll leave you guys to next week Thanks for tuning in.